Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Six Overtimes podcast. It is Wednesday, November 23rd, 24 hours until Turkey Day. I'm Chaz Wagner here in Brooklyn. Joining me in northeastern Pennsylvania is Scott Wildermuth. What's up, my man? Hey, man. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, I'm psyched for Thanksgiving just right around the corner, having a lot of family over, and going to eat until I explode. What about you? Until you explode? Yep. That doesn't sound... I guess it's implode, right? Implode, yeah. You, I don't want you to... I don't want anything devastating to happen. <laughs> I'll do my best not to. Do you, do you carve... Do you touch the turkey, or is that a hands-off uh, procedure? What do you mean by touch the turkey? Of course, I are touch you the car- turkey. Are you ca- do you carve it? I mean, are you are you part of that, or you handle? You have other responsibilities. Uh, I have other responsibilities. My dad would never let me carve a turkey. It's his deal. Yeah, that that takes many years to uh, get into that circle. Yep, definitely. That's a, that's a true circle of trust, Scott. Well, hey, my man. We want to talk today about the nine games that were played Tuesday night. Some holiday tournaments, uh, just some regularly scheduled games throughout the Big East. Then we want to talk about our bums from the night, our, uh, our, our, our bosses of the night, and then give you uh, the preview that, that is coming up for this holiday-filled uh, week of hoops. So getting right into it, Scott, the first games that we want to talk about were some tough losses from some Big East teams, and first was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They went down in the CB Classic second night in a row. They went down 61-57 to 57 to the Georgia Bulldogs. Tough go at it for the Irish again, Scott. Yeah, it was really hard for them to uh, take the loss. Um, and I think most of the responsibility from for the game and for the loss is on Timmy Abermitis' shoulders, who went for six Gotta points be. and one of 12 shooting, and he fouled out at the end of the game as well. He fouled out, and he, and he uh, what was he from the three? From three, or the whole team was was atrocious from three, huh? Yeah, they were really bad. They were, I think, they only made four shots from deep range, and you you're gonna struggle when you uh, can't convert on those on those baskets, especially with Notre Dame, who I think we're gonna see is going to have a hard time scoring points all year. Yeah, and this tournament, I think this was the the tale of two. Uh, Two cities where the championship game, Cal and Missouri, those guys are good teams. And these, th- this game, the consolation, I mean, it was truly embodied a consolation games because these teams just, I don't think they're very good. Yeah, and um, I think the loss to Missouri is looking a little bit better now for the Irish after Missouri blew out Cal in the championship game by 39 points. Yeah, those guys look like a, I think ESPN had a story, they look like a top 10 ball club already this early in the year. They look really good. Yeah, yeah, dude. Mo- uh, moving on, um, Rutgers w- lost a tough one to a mid-major, and you, you said uh, the other night that Illinois State, is the Redbirds are a tough team. Rutgers lost 76-70 to to Illinois State. Kilvitas played okay, but their, their free throw shooting and some other things is, is what plagued them throughout. Yeah, they, they're another team that um, 
doesn't shoot the ball well from three-point line and, and they don't really shoot the ball well from the free throw line or do they get to the free throw line enough um, and they just don't they can't make up for those points somehow and and they struggle when Baruta doesn't have the ball and he seems to disappear offensively at times and he fouled out at the end of the game as well so it was a, it was a tough loss for Rutgers but uh, as you pointed out, Illinois State has a good program, and it's not a horrible loss. Yeah, and Illinois State got to the line 38 times. Uh, mid-majors, as we tend to see, when they're given opportunities, when you put them on the line or you give them open threes, those guys convert. You know, they might not have the athleticism that you see from from a Big East team, but when you put them on the charity stripe, they're going to knock down their free throws, and that's how they will upset a power conference team exactly and you know the couple positives that you can take out of this game for the Rutgers squad is that four of their starters scored in double figures and they did settle for less jumpers than they usually have this season um, getting to line 18 times which is much more than they have uh, in the couple games previous to this yeah Scott we're, we're a positive you know, we're upbeat, we're optimistic, uh, we don't like dwelling on, on negative things here. And we hated to start with the two games we featured were, were losses. So moving on, these other seven games, these were all victories for, for Big East teams. And starting off was, was Pittsburgh beat LaSalle, a, a scrappy Explorers team that has played Villanova tough and Pitt tough. They only lost by four, 73 to 69. Ashton Gibbs had a horrific night of shooting three for 15 from the field obviously that's an aberration the guy's gonna gonna bounce back and 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 shoot well what I liked out of this game was the bench play for Pitt really really showed their colors they got a nice contribution for the first time from Kem Birch yeah yeah (laughs) JJ Moore played it played 19 minutes uh, uh, logged a nice game he hit three three pointers so he had nine points Six rebounds, a nice contribution from him. Good. Uh, I think that's what Pitt needs to do well this year. Yeah, my boy uh, Trey Woodall showed up again, and he had 12 points and 10 assists. Uh, he did have yeah. a couple of turnovers, which we we don't like to see. But, you know, he shot the ball efficiently and gave him a real boost um, next to Gibbs. Yeah, Trey, Trey Woodall is one of my – I didn't give him much respect coming in this year, and he's really – uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say overachieved, but he, he he's been playing very well these first two weeks of the year. Um, Pitt played sloppy in this game, even though they won. It was close right up until the finish, and they had 21 turnovers. Trey Woodall had a bunch. Um, who else? I mean, everyone can to get the 21 turnovers against LaSalle is is pretty bad. Um, another thing that concerns me about Pitt is they allowed a guard to score over 20 points again. Uh, you saw Casper Ware torch them. Uh, in this instance, Earl Pettis got above 20 points. And Pitt's perimeter defense is is not what it has been in years past, and that concerns me going forward. Yeah, and from a sloppy win to just a sloppy defensive battle, <laughs> uh, we go to the Louisville uh, Cardinals, who won 54-27 to over Arkansas State. Yeah, that's right. They did hold Arkansas State to 27 points. Um, Louisville just dominated defensively the entire game. Uh, I think that 
Arkansas State shot about 21% from the field. They just dominated on that side of the ball, and uh, yeah, that's that's how they held them. Just show Louisville, uh, Louisville fans, there were 20,000 people in attendance for this game. Just shows how crazy and passionate these fans down in Louisville are for their, their Cardinals basketball. Yeah, they love them. I mean, they can only get 2,500 people at these Maui games. The gym won't. I mean, the the gym physically won't won't uh, let it get above twenty five hundred. But mm. yeah, no I, the, the Hawaiians have have a lot better going, a lot more stuff to do than than just watch basketball. So moving on from Louisville, we had St. John's take care of another New York team, St. Francis, sixty three to forty eight. These guys played Seton Hall tough a few weeks ago, and Coach Lavin was out of this game, unfortunately, but I, I think he should return soon. And and Scott, our our boy God's gift, where where has he gone? Where where is God's gift these this last week of play? He still hasn't shown his face and he fell out of this game with two points and seven rebounds. Um Ugh. you know, at least he's contributing somehow with these rebounds because he wasn't previous to that. No, not at all. Uh good to see D'Angelo Harris Harrison one of the freshmen contributed with with uh, twenty one points off the bench. And why did did he lose his starting position to Malik Stith? Maybe they just brought Stith in uh, for this game as a starter because they're playing St. Francis. I, I I'm not sure why that is, but I imagine D'Angelo Harrison will be starting more often than not. Yeah, I would I would say so. Uh, another game that where it really was over from the start was Georgetown after their loss to Kansas. They recovered with an 88-61 to win over Chaminade, the host of the Mali Invitational, and basically was just get by this game so that they get another quality opponent on their schedule. And in this case, it's going to be the Memphis Tigers, Scott. Yeah, this was just basically a scrimmage in that in that small 2,500-person gym. Um, it, it, there's really nothing to talk about. Otto Porter shot, shot well again, so it's good to see that. But let's move on. Yeah, moving on, Seton Hall takes down an Ivy League foe in Yale, 73-62. to They controlled throughout. Seton Hall, lost, the Pirates lost some focus late in the game, and Yale cut it to a single-digit game, but they, they pulled away for that 73-62 to win. Fuquan Edwin, career high, he got to 20 points. Uh, we've, been, we've been hyping him up. Not only did he have 20 points, the dude had five steals, played a full, you know, all, all 39 minutes. Uh, so Kevin Willard really has has a lot of confidence in him. And the reason why Seton Hall won was Herb Pope got back to his double-double way, Scott. Yeah, man. Once he gets into that 10-rebound uh, realm there, he they they take it down. And like you said, Fuquan Edwin is just, he's probably their best player on their team. And Beast, beasting. Theodore shot the ball very, uh, very efficiently from the free throw yeah. line, even though he missed... Uh, seven of their 10 shots that he took. Um, once again, the three-headed monster proved to uh, hold Seton Hall over, and then they got their punch from Auda, who had uh, 12 points and seven rebounds to put him over the top. Yeah, it's good when Theodore's not hitting from the field. He was only three of 10 from the field. He had nine assists, so he knows when he's not hitting from the field, he can either dish it off to Edwin or Pope or draw some contact and get to the line where he was 7-9, as Scott spoke of. Yeah, I think Seton Hall is becoming a, uh, a favorite of the Six Overtimes podcast. 
for sure. Yep. Uh, moving on, we have Providence taking a six-point win over Southern, 59-53. It was a pretty ugly game, didn't you think? Hideous. I mean, we didn't watch it, and I'm really glad I didn't. <laughs> that would have been painful. Thank God they didn't have it on TV. Yeah. But they actually, a funny stat, kudos to the Friar blog and David Peen for noting this out. Providence took 49 field goal attempts, and they almost got the same amount in free throws. They had 47 free throw attempts, and ugh, it was ugly. And they, uh, I think in the modern era of, of Providence basketball, this was the least amount of field goals ever made. So somebody had to win, and, and thank God it was Providence. Yeah, you got to like the fact that they got to the line 47 times. So, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Um, another takeaway is that Bryce Cotton really didn't show up today. He went one of nine on from the field for only six points. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, there were limited amount of points scored in this ugly game, and uh, we'll see Bryce Cotton shoot the ball well again probably uh, in their next game on Friday. Yeah, and while Cotton played bad, Gerard Coleman had his first double-double. Nice to see him come off the bench with, with 21 and 11. And then I like the the freshman, LaDonte Henton. He logged 39 minutes and started for uh, Coach Cooley, and it's nice to see one of the freshmen uh, getting that much experience in play early on. Yep, uh, good win from Providence, and... Uh you know, hopefully they can continue it through the holiday weekend. Yeah. Moving on, though, uh, we had West Virginia beating a Kenneth Farid Liss Moorhead State, eighty-three to forty-eight. Yeah, they really lost the after one guy, uh, as we talked about with. It hasn't worked out well for Notre Dame bringing back Timmy Abramitis, but one guy for Moorhead State, and this team's back in in mild and in, in mediocrity. Yep. And another Kevin Jones is emerging as a as Herb Pope esque with uh, with another double double for him with twenty three and ten. He's a double double machine. Yeah, he had a great game. Uh, once again, he's shooting the ball decently from three-pointer, making uh, two shots there. And Jabari Hines and Truck Bryant combined only for five turnovers, which I think is going to be something that they need to stay within to win games. Yeah, and what we need to see with this West Virginia Mountaineer ball club is better free-throw shooting, Scott. That's, if, if I had to pick out a negative from a 35-point win was they were 19 of 31 from the charity stripe, and they were absolutely horrific in the first uh, the first half. I think they were, yeah, 9 for 21 shooting in the first half. And for a, such a physical team with Kalichka and Truck Bryant and Kevin Jones, those guys are going to be getting the line every single night, and they've got to improve on their free-throw shooting percentage if they're going to beat uh, good ball clubs. Yeah, and they need to continue to do that, but they also need to get um, good production from their bench, and that's something that came out of this game. Gary Brown had 10 points and 6 rebounds, and mm-hmm. Aaron Brown had 7 points as well. So while they did struggle at the charity stripe, they were getting production from their bench, so you like seeing uh, that at least. Yeah, bench play is so crucial across the Big East. So that wraps up the 9 games, uh, the reviews of the 9 games that, that – took place last night scott let's start with the since there were two losses 
uh, from last night. Let's let's focus on the uh, the bum of Tuesday night for the Six Overtimes podcast. Uh, my bum of the night was Tim Abermitis, the guy who goes one for twelve from the field in his second game back against an SEC opponent in Georgia. That would have been a good win for Notre Dame and a possible win as well. Because of the one of twelve from the from the field, they probably lost the game. And once again, he didn't play great defense. So for that reason, uh, he's my bum of Tuesday night. Yeah, Notre Dame uh, consecutive nights uh, have 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 bums of the night, uh, both on Notre Dame. Yep. The 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 positive the the player of the night uh, in the six overtimes podcast world for uh, Wednesday, November twenty third is Fuquan Edwin. And we just can't say enough about this uh, this sophomore for Seton Hall. He is so versatile on the offensive end. He can can hit a tray for Kevin Willard's ball club when, when asked to. He can go in and, and grab an offensive board for a quick putback. Uh, he he can guard. I mean, he's a really good defender. Uh, good to see him get his career high of twenty points. And I'm excited to see him, his progression and, and maturity as the year goes along. So he is the player of of the night. Yeah, he's he's impressive. He's one of my favorite players in the Big East this season. But moving on, we have a freshman spotlight that we want to chat about. And it's your man, Kem Birch from Pittsburgh. Kem Birch came to play. We we didn't have a freshman spotlight yet because no one really uh, <laughs> no one really emerged or gave us uh any spotlight to to really shine on and Ken Birch came off the bench um his stats weren't weren't anything incredible uh only four points six boards but he did have three blocks and it's good to see him show that that activeness on the defensive end as we've spoken about with Andre Drummond Andre Drummond we saw for the first time his shot blocking ability in the main game and I think in the LaSalle game for Pitt, we saw that from Ken Birch, seeing his athleticism on the defensive end because it's going to take a while for him to show confidence and show assertiveness on the offensive end and really be a scorer. I don't think that's going to come for a while if it's going to come at all this year. But defensively is where he can really shine and really help this ball club. And, and he, he did a little bit of that on, on Tuesday night for Pitt. Yeah, he's going to be a high defensive energy player who I think will really make the game different for Pittsburgh underneath the glass and and changing and altering shots if he doesn't block them that won't show up on the stat sheet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Birch is a guy that's going to be really important for the continued success of the Pittsburgh program, not even just this year, but uh, for years to come as well. Yeah, and Scott, we've got a ton of games coming at you the rest of the week what are the ones that there's a bunch of them but let's let's filter it out let's do some curation for the six overtime fans what which games do we want to uh pay attention to upcoming well like you guys out in uh six overtimes nation we are taking off thursday and friday um so we have games from wednesday to Sunday to talk about, but uh, Wednesday night, I'm looking at this Memphis-Georgetown game. Mm -hmm. Georgetown's been particularly impressive with their four-point loss to Kansas, Um, so I want to see how they do there. Then we got Richmond and Rutgers. Richmond's always a really good program, and VaTech, 
who's an underrated ACC team against Syracuse. That's going to be uh, Syracuse's first test, probably. Is Virginia Tech already on the bubble? They are always on the bubble. They find a way. Every year they're supposed to break through and make the tournament and make a run. But every year they're on the, they're on the bubble. And, and uh, they're almost like the Clemson of college football. They, they never, they always underachieve. Always. Yeah, and Seth Greenberg's probably on the hot seat if he doesn't get uh, his team together this season. But uh, the rest of the week, the holiday weekend, we got Minnesota and DePaul on Thursday night. And that's an important game because DePa- this is DePaul's first test. Yeah, it's good to see DePaul actually play someone. And Minnesota has a very good front court of uh ralph sampson the third or ralph sampson jr one of ralph sampson's uh his son is on the team and then they have another good big man who is that guy for for minnesota scott yeah i have no idea i just know that they usually have good front courts starting from chris humphreys very good postman it'll be nice to see cleveland melvin and uh chris faber see how they match up against those guys uh, that's on Thursday. That's that's basically the only good game that we see on Thursday. On Friday, we have the Friars of Providence heading out to the cornfields of Iowa. To uh, on Friday they play Iowa State, um, a good Big Twelve ball club coached by uh, Hoiberg. And then on Saturday they face another scrappy Iowa team in in Northern Iowa. And this is part of the South Padre Invitational. Yeah, another uh, strong uh, Missouri Valley Conference team, like we saw with Illinois State. Um, they're gonna be—they're a bigger team, and they're—I think they're gonna cause Providence problems. So let's let's hope for uh, two wins from from the Friars this weekend, and uh, and a nice showing from the rest of the Big East. I, I think we'll learn even more about what we got and what we what our teams need to improve on. Definitely, and. Now that we've done the previews for the week, we need to talk about the most important thing of the Six Overtimes podcast is betting. Yeah, my gambling addiction. Your gambling addiction, and you actually won last night. I mean, how could you not win that game? It was You took Louisville against Arkansas State, and... It was given 23 and a half. The line was 23 and a half. They won by 27. You know, I want to see you do well against, you know, when it's not a... a they're playing a cupcake. Something you know, I want to see uh, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, or uh, well, that's the game I'm taking. Memphis, Georgetown, you know, two two good ball clubs. Come on, Scott. Yeah, I'm taking the uh, Syracuse Orange at minus eight against Virginia Tech. I think that Syracuse is underrated in this instance where they're only giving eight points. I see Syracuse as a potential Final Four team, and I don't think the rest of the country sees that yet. And uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of it. And I think the line should actually be closer to 12. But that's why I'm taking Syracuse at 8. And, uh, you know, over the we- over the holiday weekend, I'll be making more bets at 6 Overtimes on Twitter. So follow me there and uh, track my losses or wins at- accordingly. You're an arbitrager. You, do you, you see a market inefficiency right now? You think it should be up at 12 and, and you're exploiting that? Exactly. Yep. I like it. I like it. Um, well, yeah, before we go, we want to wish everyone a, a happy and healthy Thanksgiving and, and hope it's a good time of relaxation and, and time spent with the family and friends and 
kicking back on the couch. I'm sure football is involved, but I hope that uh, Big East basketball is is part of that uh, of that schedule as well. Absolutely. And uh, as always, thanks again for stopping by at the Six Overtimes podcast, where we talk nothing but Big East hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, email us at sixovertimes at gmail.com or tweet us at Six Overtimes. Your questions, concerns things that we're doing terribly or doing totally right. But until next Monday, have a great Thanksgiving and uh, be safe. Peace. Gobble, gobble.